Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. Great to chat with you again. Let's dig right in. Um, not the normal midweek podcast because there's no you know, opponent to introduce, of course. However, there's some stuff here I got for you. It might be a shorty, but I mean, we got some nuggets, you know, wrap up this game. And I'm going to start with Matt Canada. And... I don't know if he's staying, going, whatever. I mean, you would think you'd hear about that by now. We haven't. Whatever. I'm expecting him to be here. But one thing I think is an, not an easy fix, but needs to change with the offense. I mean, and of course, his name has to come up. But I'm calling these two things Canada crimes. 31st in play action. You're 12.7% of your dropbacks. You're using play action. You know, only one team is less. I think this team has to live on play action. I mean, it just helps your quarterback so much, and he's struggling so much. And I just don't think you – I know you don't have to be the best running team in the league to make this work. Now, I will concede that play action means you have to protect a beat longer, but you can just influence the defense a little more, freeze them. I mean – the, the, the defenses are just teeing off on this offense. And if you can slow them down or the, you know, put the, the term is, you know, put them in conflict in any way, shape, or form, you got to do it. And I think play action is the easiest method for such a thing and simple, to be honest with you. So I think that's something that needs to change coming out of the bye. Don't be 31st, be 20th at least. I mean, let's, let's get that number up. I also think for a young quarterback that doesn't, look comfortable in the pocket, more design quarterback movement, rollouts, sprint outs, things like that, nakeds, all those type of things. Kenny does it well. He throws well on the run. I'd like to see a higher percentage of those type of pass calls come up. And also, they still need to attack the middle of the field more. I mean, we've heard about it. We've seen glimpses of it, but... Still a low percentage of in-breaking routes, routes in the middle of the field. And Kenny's good at them. And the ball doesn't travel as far. And I know that there's more bad stuff that can happen in the middle of the field, but you can't just live on the sidelines. You just can't. And so those are my Canada crimes at the moment. That are pretty easy fixes for the bye week in the passing game. You know, so... Let's get those things cleaned up, and maybe that's a step forward. Now, watching this game again, there was, as I like to tell you, there was guys that even played better than I thought, guys that played worse than I thought. And we all saw, saw that George Pickens and Warren were really good spark plug players that kind of carried the offense. But I thought they were even better watching the All-22 and re-watching the game. They did a lot of good things, blocking, hustle. I mean, th those two are really fines for this team and can really help. I thought it was a really good game by Broderick Jones, and it just shows you what he can be. He was more comfortable. It's his second NFL game, and his first one he got thrown in off the bench. So he prepared all week, obviously. His protection needs cleaned up, and Clowney got him a few times, and he can be a little slow to recognize a stunt here and there, 
But boy, is he stout and can he move? And there's a lot to like there. I mean, it, just leave him at left tackle and let him learn. And so that was promising. Connor Hayward's just good at football. He's open all the time. Now, he's a weird player. You don't want him out there for 100% of the snaps. But you could throw him three or four more passes a game. I mean, he's open all the time. And he does everything pretty well. I was just kind of rough on Pickett slash Canada. But I thought Pickett played better in this game than originally watching on TV. And I'm going to cite some stuff at the end of the podcast about that. Originally, I thought Herbig was really terrible at right guard. And I think I said so on Sunday night to you, but it was acceptable, I guess I'll say. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't as bad as I had originally thought. Same with Siamalu. I think he's starting to really get his feet under him. His protection is really good. So uh, he was definitely better on second watch than originally thought. Um, I'm not going to go deep into this one because you can go read my article about Porter. He has to play every snap now. That's the short of it. Their corners are terrible. He might already be their best corner. I don't care if he learns, you know, in the deep end, sink or swim. He's playing really, really well, and no other corner is. I thought the inside linebackers, we touched on this, and the defensive tackles were all quite good in this game. So, therefore, the entire front seven was really good because we know Highsmith and Watt are awesome. But the front seven's really coming together pretty well. And this game exemplified that even more. I keep thinking if he could just throw Cam Hayward in there. Oh, baby. A couple of Ravens stood out. Roquan was a force. Hamilton was a force. Queen played well. And you might not agree with me, but Lamar was much better than his numbers than maybe given credit for Lamar played a really good game in this one and they didn't win, you know, so too bad. So sad. Worse than I thought speaking with the O-line theme, Mason Cole, I think you got to figure out a way to get him out of there. I know that he brings more to the table as a center than just, you know, uh, his blocking, you know, all the mental stuff and communication and all that, but he's bad game after game. I never loved them, but I'm souring on Chooks as well. There's just too many inconsistencies and rough. I mean, he, he's hard to count on. Could maybe Dan Moore be your right tackle? Possibly. And then I touched on the corners. Please go read my article. Sullivan's just the the epitome of a guy you want to play against. You know, like, he's fine. He doesn't embarrass himself out there, but just brings very little to the table. Peterson and Wallace were terrible again. I mean, their corners are really bad, except for Porter. And a a Raven that I had high hopes for, watching Bateman, not good. Not good at all. I expected more from him. All right, quick break, and then I got some more stuff for you here, too. Some of you might know this. I didn't. But T.J. Watt now has 25 forced fumbles in his career. 25. 
and he's missed a lot of time. I mean, everyone knows his sack numbers. His 25 career force fumbles might be more impressive. In case you're wondering, I looked this up too. The record is Mathis from the Colts. He's had 52 in his career. I mean, which is obviously a humongous number. But Watt's like halfway there already. All right. Just wanted to get that out of my system. Defensive snap counts. There were 70 possible snaps. The D lineman. Adams played 56. Originally, I kind of thought, why? That's asking a lot, you know. But you're playing a heavier personnel team to some degree. And I think Adams is playing pretty well. I mean, he gives you everything he has, every snap. I don't want him out there for 56 or 70 snaps in the perfect world, you know, passing downs and whatnot. But he's been a successful player for them. Ogan Joby played 48. Benton played 33. I would like that number to be 53. He's really good. And every game, he looks better and better to me. And he wasn't asked to rush the passer and be super disruptive, but he did his job extremely well. Benton's going to be a good player. Benton is a good player. He needs to play more. Um, Watts played 18. Loudermilk played 13. That's about where they belong at most. Um, on the edge, we got Highsmith with 61. Watt with 60 out of a possible 70. Cool. Golden only played 14. I think it would be wise to get him maybe to about 20 a game. Herbig only five. I don't think he's falling out of favor or anything, but his snap counts have been low. Not a big deal. Not wor not worrying about that. Inside linebackers, as mentioned, are playing really well as a unit and individually. Holcomb was out there for 64 snaps. He's your every down guy. Alexander for 31. Roberts for 29. That's a good rotation situation there. Three different style players. Minka played every snap. I, I was just being harsh on the corners. I'm really being harsh on every member of the secondary besides Minka, Porter, and King. And I don't know if King's good or bad. We just haven't seen. He played one snap as a deep safety in this game. He needs this. That, that's got to be a, again, read my article, but that, that's got to be a, a priority this bye week. Let's figure this defensive backfield out. But anyways, Minka played 70. KZ played 43. Neil played 42. Neither of whom am I very excited about at all at this point. Wallace played 66. Peterson played 63. Porter only 28. That needs to be 66 for Porter or 70 for Porter of a possible 70. I firmly believe that. Sullivan at 24. King played that one snap. Uh, last couple things I got for you. This is from Aaron Schatz, who used to do football outsiders, but he took his DVOA to a different site, uh, FTN Fantasy, I think it's called. Uh, but I still check it out a lot. It's the exact same information. So Kenny Pickett had... A minus five DYAR. I'm not going to get into exactly what that is, but it's a judging of quarterback play. 3.5 net yards per pass in the first half. He was minus five with a 3.5 net yards per pass in the first half. And then the second half, his DYAR was 76 as opposed to minus five. 7.5 net yards per pass in the second half. So he finished... Across the league, and of course, there were a couple of bye weeks, as the 14th best quarterback in DVOA this week. Nice. I told you he played better than I thought on second view. And so I went and looked at EPA. 
he was 16th in EPA this week for week five of all quarterbacks. He was only 15 quarterbacks that played better by that metric that I believe in. Promising. Definitely is. And really, again, reminded me of last year. However, I had to look while I was at the EPA site. He's still only at 30th amongst all quarterbacks for the season in EPA per play. But it is trending up. Last thing I got for you is the... Oh, here we go. Again, I kind of believe in this. I kind of don't. There's two things I got for you. This win boosted their playoff chances by 15%. Now it's up to around 44% chance that they go to the postseason. Okay. I mean, again, a a conference and a division win is going to go a long way percentage-wise, numbers-wise, all that. And I hope you know, and I'm sure you could figure it out, but maybe just hadn't thought of it yourself. But the Steelers have beat the Ravens now six of their last seven. And there's been very few, I'm sure you guys are aware, I do Matt stats for the Steelers, you know, where I go through an insane amount of stats and I tell you guys about them and all that stuff. And it's right up my alley. But anyway, part of that is also doing series history. Well, a lot of times in Steeler Steeler series history over the years, there'll be stretches, usually in the 70s or whatever, where the Steelers just dominate their opponent. Well, they were 9-1 and one against this team from 1973 to 1986 or whatever. But since the Ravens have been back in the league, as I'm sure you can rem- uh, you know, attest to, there aren't long streaks between these teams. Oh, there's a two-game winning streak. Maybe there's a three-game winning streak. But it's not like, whoa, they beat them eight of the last nine. That's just not how this rivalry works. But the fact that the Steelers have won six of seven – it's starting to be, what is it, one's an accident, two's a trend, blah, 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 blah. This is starting to be kind of telling. All right, take care. Over and out. Over and out.